0: Chapter One Hundred and Twenty Nine of Varney the Vampire, Volume Two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Barony. Varney the Vampire, Volume Two, by Thomas Prescott Prest. Chapter One Hundred and Twenty Nine The Unsuccessful Pursuit, Mr. Smith's Disappointment and the testimony of Mrs. Meredith. Mrs. Meredith and her daughters had long sunk into deep sleep before the events just narrated took place in her neighbor's house. There was a perfect stillness. The whole house appeared as though there were no living soul within it—all was so still and quiet. Presently, however, there was a terrific sound. It was like that of a human being falling and bumping downstairs. And then there was a great deal of shouting and calling and mrs meredith opened her eyes and trembled in her bed while her daughter margaret who upon the occasion slept with her was likewise as frightened what is the that she stammered with some difficulty oh here i cannot think thieves murderers i dare say oh merciful heaven what shall we do where shall i go we shall be murdered both females trembled in their beds and were quite unable to move, breaking out in a profuse sweat from fear. And yet the noise came nearer and nearer, and there were many persons evidently in the house. Their numbers were so numerous that they evidently didn't care to conceal themselves. The fact was this. When Mr. Smith and his party found the trap-door open, they descended into the house, the watchman leading the way. But in going down the ladder his foot slipped, and he came with a dreadful thump on the landing and fortunately he rolled up against the servant girl's door instead of downstairs. The door flew open and the girl was too terrified to speak for some moments. At length, the watchman having got up, he made for the bed, upon which the girl jumped up and began to scream out for help in piteous tones. "'Come, come, don't be frightened,' said the watchman. "'Get up and show us over the house.' "'Well, I'm sure.' said the girl, who had recovered some of her assurance, for the coat, stick, and lantern of the watchman at once assured her that she was in no immediate danger whatever. "'Well, I'm sure. To think of coming in a female's room in this manner, you ought to be ashamed of yourself, you old wretch, you ought.' "'No names. If you don't get up and show us over and call your master—' "'I ain't got a master.' "'Well, your mistress, then. We will go ourselves and we'll soon make short work of it.' "'Come, come. No nonsense. We will dress you ourselves.' "'You monster! Go out of the room, can't you? Have you no decency left you? I'll get up, but I'll lay a complaint before the Lord Mayor, and he shall tell you a different tale to this. I am ashamed of you, and so you ought to be of yourselves.' However, during this energetic remonstrance, she contrived to shuffle on some things, and when she was ready, she came down to her mistress's door. And then began to hammer and kick at it, saying, "Oh, Miss Meredith, there's such a lot of men in the house. Do come out, ma'am. I don't know what's the matter, but they'll break into your room as they broke into mine. What do they want, Mary? Don't know, ma'am. There is some one escaped into your house that has broken into the next house, and your trap doors on the roof were open. Gracious me," said Missus Meredith. "'Gracious me! Show them over the place, Mary. "'We shall get up in a few moments and come to you. "'Margaret, my dear, get up. "'Some housebreakers have gotten into the house, "'and we shall all be murdered in our sleep if we don't find them. "'Oh, dear, dear, what will become of us? "'What will our new lodger say to this disturbance?' Margaret made no reply, but began to dress herself, while the party began their search, and Mr. Smith hastened back to his daughter, to understand the nature of the attack that had been made upon her and whether she were any better than she was when he left her. However, when he came to hear what was the real cause of her terror, to find the marks upon her arm, and the certainty that nothing had been lost or moved, he was perfectly staggered, and hastened back after the party he had left, to make some further attempt to follow the miscreant, and to discover, if possible, his retreat, and bring him to justice for the vile attack he had made. When he returned— He met Mrs. Meredith coming out of her room, she having hastily dressed herself, followed by her daughter. "'Oh, Mr. Smith! Mr. Smith, what is the meaning of all this disturbance? Here are a number of strange men who have forced themselves into my house, and whether their object is our property or our lives we cannot tell. What can I do, Mr. Smith?' "'You have nothing to fear, ma'am.' "'Nothing to fear, sir?' "'Why, is not such an occurrence something to be feared for its own sake alone?' "'Yes, ma'am, it is very disagreeable, I am willing to admit. But I presume you would not give refuge to a vampire.' "'A what, sir?' "'A vampire, madam. I know not how to explain it to you. But I have to assure you my daughter has been attacked in her sleep by the midnight bloodsucker from the graves. Oh, God that such a thing should happen in my family. I would not have believed it had the same been related to me from anybody else. "'It must have been the nightmare,' suggested Mrs. Meredith. "'Would to heaven it had been so! But I came to her assistance, and saw him, as he fled from my daughter's bedside, and I followed him to the roof, and he was lost on your house, and your trap-door was open, and we presumed he went in here.' "'The door was bolted when we went to bed last night,' said Margaret. "'Yes,' responded her mother. "'We always have that bolted every night, for it is our only protection from that side of the house. But no one can be here. We have no man in the house save our lodger, an invalid and quite a gentleman. Can we see him?' "'I should think not, because he is an invalid. He is a colonel in the East India service, and will no doubt be very angry at such a disturbance.' and much more so when he finds he is wanted. I am really much shocked at this disturbance, which is the more unfortunate as it is the first night he has slept here. I must see him. Must, Mr. Smith, must! I cannot permit anything of the kind to be said in my house. I give you permission to look for him over the house, but I can't give any such permission with what my lodgers possess. It is not in my power to do so, if I had the inclination.' While this was going on, the house had been rummaged over and over, and then a party of them, with Mr. Smith, came to the Colonel's bedroom. A close travelling cap and a dressing-gown were found on the mat before the door. "'Oh!' said Mr. Smith, as he picked it up. "'This appears very much like what I saw the figure was dressed up in—something like robes, and this would serve the purpose.' "'Ah!' said the watchman, "'we shall have him now but the gentleman is an invalid. He can hardly walk upstairs, much less can he be scrambling over housetops,' said Mrs. Meredith. "'You must surely all have been dreaming. Something has disagreed with you, and the result has been visions of which you can, of course, find no trace.' "'Not quite that either,' said one of the watchmen. "'For we saw him getting away, and he made for your trap-door, where I missed him.' "'I could not see any more of him among the chimneys or something of that sort, but I thought he came in here and found your door open.' "'And you saw him come in?' said Mrs. Meredith. "'I can't say I saw him come in,' said the man. "'I couldn't see through a brick wall and a stack of chimneys which were in the way, but I felt certain he must have come in here.' "'Well, this is very strange, very singular.' "'The dressing-gown, too,' said Mr. Smith, "'is dusty and dirty all over.' at least in places where it appears to have come in contact with anything dirty—possibly the roof of the house. Certainly something of that sort has happened. It looks very much like it." "'And the cap sits close to the head. That is dirty.' "'But it is dry dirt,' said Mr. Smith, and of the same character. We had better see this lodger of yours, Mrs. Meredith, and with your permission I will knock." As Mr. Smith spoke, he gave two or three loud knocks at the door, which were not answered for some time. But they were speedily repeated, and then a peremptory voice exclaimed, "'In the name of goodness, what is the meaning of all this disturbance? Is a house broken into, or is it a resort for thieves? Be it as it may, if I am disturbed in this way, and you don't instantly get out of the way and make less noise, I'll fire through the door. I have loaded pistols by my side, and I will not submit to the shameful disturbance.' At the sound of these words the two watchmen were much disturbed, and immediately stepped back so hastily as nearly to overthrow Mrs. Meredith and her daughter. But Mr. Smith, after a step or two backwards, resumed his place by the door and exclaimed, "'I have not come here, sir, to be frightened. Some strange circumstances have just happened, and I must beg you'll open the door to explain them. And who the devil are you?' "'My name is Smith, sir. I live next door, and my daughter has been attacked by a vampire. I know not what nature the creature must possess.' BUT IT HAS SHOCKING PROPENSITIES. THERE ARE EVIDENCES AT YOUR DOOR WHICH MAKE IT APPEAR HE HAS GOT INTO YOUR ROOM." IT WOULD BE VERY FOOLISH IN HIM TO DO ANYTHING OF THE SORT, SAID THE COLONEL. FOR in THE FIRST PLACE I WILL NOT SUFFER ANNOYANCE IN ANY SHAPE. AND BESIDES, I HAVE LOADED PISTOLS FOR HIS RECEPTION. WAIT TILL I AM DRESSED, AND THEN I WILL COME OUT TO YOU. I AM SURE THE COLONEL WILL BE VERY MUCH OFFENDED BY THIS CONDUCT, WHICH IS VERY SHAMEFUL. "'People's houses broken open and entered in this manner, "'and people's rest broken, so I am quite ashamed of my neighbours—quite.' "'Really, we have strong suspicions—strong grounds of suspicion, too, "'against that lodger of yours. "'Look at that dressing-gown and cap, the open trap-door and all. "'Really, I can't help thinking there is something very suspicious in all this.' "'Yes,' said the watchman. "'I know there's nobody else in the house.' "'I've been all over it, and it's very strange to me if he ain't the man.' "'Well,' said Margaret Meredith, "'it seems as if you are most willing to accuse those "'who are quite incapable of doing what you accuse them of. "'This gentleman was barely able to get upstairs without assistance. "'Besides, he could not have gone upstairs "'without someone being awoke by the noise. "'It's my opinion that this is a piece of impertinence altogether.' "'So I think, my dear.' said Mrs. Meredith. "'I am a father, Mrs. Meredith,' said Mr. Smith, "'and I have my daughter's safety and happiness at heart. I am sure there's much too very suspicious. You wouldn't like your daughter's blood sucked out of her arms. I am sure I don't, nor does she.' "'Oh, botheration,' said Margaret. "'Who ever heard of such stuff? I'm sure I never did, except in some book of improbabilities and nothing more. But here is Colonel Deverell. At that moment Colonel Deverell opened the door, and then retired a little into his room, saying as he did so in a very angry voice, but at the same time endeavouring to be courteous. "'You can come in now, but I am quite at a loss to understand the nature of this disturbance. The house doesn't appear to be on fire, and that is the only contingency in my mind that will justify such a disturbance. What is the matter, Mrs. Meredith?' "'I can hardly tell you, sir.' "'I have been disturbed by finding a party of people in my house. "'It is most amazing to me how they came in.' "'I will tell you, sir,' said Mr. Smith. "'My daughter has been terrified by the appearance of someone in her bedroom, "'who attempted to suck her blood from the veins of her arm. "'I don't know what to say about it.' "'I am sure I don't,' said Colonel Deverell. "'But I must say it's a most unpleasant affair for those who have nothing to do with it. "'It is a pity your domestic affliction should call you out in this manner.' "'Take my advice, sir. "'Go home, else you'll catch cold. "'You may repent making a jest of this.' "'I never repent anything, sir. "'I regret I am so unnecessarily disturbed, "'and it appears to me your intrusion here is most unwarrantable. "'Is this your dressing-gown, sir?' "'Yes, it is.' "'Well, then, how did it come here, and in this state?' inquired Mr. Smith triumphantly. "'I don't know.' "'I didn't put it there, but I suppose it must have fallen accidentally.' "'It would not have been thrown there willingly,' said the Colonel, deliberately. "'Well, I don't know,' said Mr. Smith. "'But it strikes me you've been on the tiles this evening.' "'My good sir, if you don't leave my apartment, it may happen I may forget my pains and lameness and fling you out of the window.' If this had happened in India, instead of here, you would have had a particularly sharp knife inserted between your ribs, or have been thrown into a well. But I know nothing of this matter, which appears so strange as to be beyond all reason. Neither experience nor common sense at all throw any light upon the matter. Be advised, sir, and retire, and allow honest people and invalids to sleep the night out. Mr. Smith looked very blank, and unable to comprehend all that had passed, he could not tell what to think. He could not urge the matter further, for he was met by real contempt and perfect self-assurance on the part of the Colonel, who moved about the room very lame, while his hand was in a sling and a green shade was placed over his eyes. "'You see,' said Mrs. Meredith, "'you must be very entirely mistaken.' Colonel Deverell, we are sure, is quite unable to run about over house-tops, even if he had the inclination to do so, which is really absurd. It must be at least a great mistake on your part. Yes, I am sure, too, Colonel Deverell could not have left the house without our knowing it. Indeed, it is a very silly affair, and has been a great nuisance, to say the least of it. I wonder Mr. Smith doesn't know better than to break into peaceable people's houses. But I did not do so. "'How came you here, then?' "'I followed some one else. The place was open, and yet you say it was shut at night, and usually kept so. How do you account for that?' "'I cannot do so, unless some neglect took place, or else you must have forced it open.' "'Oh, no, ma'am,' said the watchman. "'I can swear muster Smith didn't do that. It was open, and I found it so. So there's that to be accounted for. And then there's the togs a-lyin' outside here. That's to be accounted for. So, you see, it's a weary suspicious case.' "'You are a very stupid fellow,' said the Colonel. "'A very idiot, if you imagine people are to be held responsible because a dressing-gown happens to fall down. "'I do not know, but I shall proceed with this matter myself. "'It seems to me you have committed a trespass, to say the least of it. "'I can pledge my word, as a man of honour and a soldier, I have not left my room. "'Indeed, these ladies know I could not do so, "'and their testimony would be ample in a court of justice, and to a gentleman.' "'Yes. That is no more than the truth,' said Mrs. Meredith, who was by no means pleased with the disturbance, and because she had no sympathy for the young lady who sat in the balcony to the annoyance of herself and her daughter. "'And I can bear witness to the same,' said Miss Meredith. "'I think it is quite time Mr. Smith returned to his own place, and see what is the matter there. Perhaps the person he saw may have passed him and gone back again into his own house.' Mr. Smith lingered. Looked wistfully as if his doubts were not cleared off, but yet the testimony was so clear and so strong that he could not dispute it. And however unwillingly he was compelled to acknowledge, there were some matters that he could not dispute, though he was unable to solve them. And he and those with him returned from their unsatisfactory search. End of chapter one hundred and twenty nine. Recording by Barony.